Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Today, we have a very good friend of mine, Dr. James uh, Danico Antonio on the show today. He is the author of The Salt Fix, and he's going to be talking about the different types of salt you should be eating, the differences between sea salt and regular table salt that a lot of people are consuming every day, how there are microplastics in sea salt and his top recommended salts, and how salt creates more energy in the body, and how you know, how you should dose salt, like how much salt do you need every day? This is a very, very good show and definitely recommend his book, The Salt Fix. Our guest today is Dr. James Danico Antonio. He is the author of The Salt Fix. He is a cardiovascular research scientist at St. Luke's uh, Mid-America Heart Institute in Kansas City, Missouri. Dr. Nico Antonio's research focuses uh, on nutrition and cardiovascular health. He is the author or co-author of over 200 publications in the medical literature. Uh, Dr. James also serves as the associate editor of BMG Open Heart, which is a cardiology published in partnership with the British Cardiovascular Society. You can learn more about Dr. Nico Antonio on the links below. James, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Why don't you tell the listeners a little about yourself and how you got into the health field? Yeah, so uh, I'm a doctor of pharmacy. I'm also a cardiovascular research scientist at St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute. Um, I started publishing, um, you know, almost a decade ago, really, and um, it stemmed from, um, in, in regards to salt, from when I was a community pharmacist working with um, uh, patients, hypertensive patients, and um, they were kind of being put on these low salt diets and actually suffering a lot of consequences. Uh, they were dizzy, elevated heart rate. Um, exercise intolerant all of a sudden, um, and they're especially like orthostatic hypotension, like going from a seated to a standing position. And so, um, you know, I really kind of push back to my patients and saying, you know, this low salt advice doesn't seem to be doing you any any good. Um, and they would go to their doctors and sure enough, their, their blood sodium levels were super low. And as soon as they upped their salt intake, like all their symptoms went away, like their heart palpitations went away, their muscle cramps, all of that. So you know, really that kind of spawned me into actually researching salt and writing the book. And that's really kind of like, um, that's kind of how it all happened. So how did we get here? Why is it that medical doctors are telling people to not eat salt and haven't made that differentiation between table salt, which is very toxic, and sea salt, which is necessary for life and perfectly matches our body chemistry? Yeah, so I think, um, it's kind of like two questions, like how did we get to where we're recommending like the low salt advice and then why is there no differentiation between salts that are out there? And so really like the low salt advice is basically like it stems from the same thing as why we believe low fat, low cholesterol, it all comes back to those 1977 dietary goals. It's like, you know, I've said that so many times, but that's literally where basically our nutritional whiplash that we're dealing with now stems from. And basically, it was just the opinions of a few people. Um, you know, Senator George McGovern, he kind of created this select committee. Um, and Nick Modern, who really wasn't a research scientist or anything like that, he didn't really even have any type of nutritional training, was kind of tasked with creating these dietary goals. And he mainly relied on Mark Hegstad. Um, like, so it was like, and it was written just by like a few people. So it was 
the, the advice to go on a low salt diet and a low fat diet and a low cholesterol diet in a high carb diet, it all stems from just a few people back in 1977. It's crazy. Wow. That, you know, we were brainwashed for 40 years, but there was never any systematic review or meta-analysis of studies back then. There was no like need for evidence. It was like, if you like had a high enough position and you had enough clout and you said salt was bad and you recommended low salt, it's literally what happened. And that got integrated into our 1980 dietary guidelines. And those low salt, the low salt device was just updated every five years ever since. No one's ever said, did we even ever have any evidence you know, to recommend low salt di uh, diets. And now, now we have the internet <laughs> to get educated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the other question that you asked um, is like, what we're just starting to realize that, you know, table salt might not be the healthiest salt. And and even we're start even beyond that in my book, I kind of push even beyond even sea salt because you know some studies are coming out that even modern day oceans are contaminated with modern day pollution and that gets into modern day sea salts like microplastics and things like that and so i even go um a, a step beyond in the book and i should like my number one recommended salt is redmond real salt because it's from an ancient ocean and it doesn't have those you know um potential microplastics and heavy metals and things like that that are found in some modern day sea salts not to say that they can't you know like remove some of those things, um, which some of the higher tier modern day sea salts may do. Um, but it's kind of up in the air, right? And so I don't want to risk that. So I kind of go for an ancient ocean salt. Um, and I kind of, I have a nutrient uh, analysis table of some of the um, more common salts. And I kind of show that a lot of this, a lot of the salts don't necessarily have very high minerals, um, except for iodine in general. Um, certain salts have a good amounts of iodine like himalayan salt does have good amounts of iodine it's just kind of depends on the batch that you get you can get less than 100 um micrograms of iodine per 10 grams of salt and i've seen some as, as high as a thousand micrograms just depends whereas redmond um has about 170 micrograms of iodine so good amounts of iodine in redmond and it has good amounts of calcium which um we sweat we sweat both not just salt we sweat out iodine and actually really uh good amounts of iodine between like 50 and 100 micrograms of iodine per hour exercise which when i when i discovered that i was like whoa that's that's crazy right because we're supposed to be consuming 150 micrograms a day and you could be losing 100 micrograms an hour of exercise which is kind of cool so if you're not like eating a salt that has good amounts of iodine you're obviously potentially becoming depleted in iodine and so i think a lot of people who are exercising like just constantly sweating out salt and iodine are slowly depleting themselves of those important minerals and of course your metabolism is tied to iodine because you know your thyroid hormones are made of iodine and so you can literally be storing more fat simply because you're not getting enough salt and it's kind of crazy to think that but um there's definitely a link there uh, i i recommend all my clients take iodine unless they don't tolerate it for some reason but yeah the 150 micrograms i mean they're not accounting for you know all the chloride and fluoride that block its uptake in the thyroid and you kind of have to you know, take a lot more than 150 micrograms per day that's recommended by the RDA. Um, but also, you know, a lot of people are eating table salt, like I, I was, uh, for iodine. I was at my aunt's house one day and I'm like, why are, you, why are you eating table salt? Like, why would you eat that, the Morton's garbage when you could be eating sea salt? And that's kind of like a, a very similar cost, you know, price point, uh, but it's for iodine. And I'm like, well, you know, you can just supplement iodine separately. You don't need to get it in your salt.
Right. I mean, and what's kind of crazy, too, is we don't even know the bioavailability of the artificial potassium iodide that they put in table salt. Apparently, some people say that the bioavailability is like less than 10 percent, whereas like I like natural iodine apparently has a bioavailability of about 100 percent. So you think you're doing something good by eat, uh, consuming iodized table salt. and It may not necessarily be the best thing. And I mean, I never even realized until a couple of years ago that your, your regular old Morton table salt, when you look at the back of it, it's got dextrose added to it. It's bleached white. Um, you know, it's highly refined and it has anti-caking agents in it. And aluminum. They use aluminum as an anti-caking agent. Right. And, and yeah. And so, I mean, I don't think a lot of people really understand that. And so they're, I mean, once, once you realize it, then, you know, it's kind of easier to make the case of why you should be consuming, you know, more natural salts. Yeah, I've heard. Is there microplastics in the uh, in the like table salt, regular table salt, or do you think that's just the oceans? I think it's just the oceans. Yeah, because table salt is mined, and so I don't think it necessarily has those microplastics. And so, what exactly is in table salt? What is that the majority of Americans are eating? I know, say, when you go to a restaurant, and you know, you 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 know, a lot of us go out to eat, and you you have a meal full of table salt. I feel so sick. Uh, and I know it's the salt. I've gotten way too much salt and it creates an imbalance in your body because there's a way more sodium content in a, the regular table salt than there is a sea salt. Can you explain what's in the salt and what's going on there? Yeah, so um, regular table salt, like you just said, is just plain salt. It's sodium and chloride. Um, and so, you know, the rest, the, the rest, maybe the 2% of the salt is composed of dextrose and, and other things. And so, you know, other salts contain, you know, up to 84 different types of minerals. Um, and so some, some salts have, you know, decent amounts of magnesium. A lot of the sea salts seem to be decently high in magnesium, but they generally lack iodine. Um, so it just kind of depends on the, the, it depends on the person. Some people, their diets really are low in magnesium and you might want to consume a salt that's higher in magnesium. Um, and then some people, they're exercising all the time and sweating out a ton of iodine and maybe they should be consuming Redmond Real Salt um, because the iodine content. So it just kind of, you know, depends on, you know, your individual self. Yeah. And so with, uh, with the uh you know, sea salt has 84 different minerals. Can you explain how we need that? Because, you know, our, our blood plasma has, you know, 80 plus different kinds of minerals. Like we need that to replenish the minerals in our body because the minerals are the spark plugs of the body. They make our body work in so many different ways. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, I think we've, we've like everyone has just, and really the, the medical community and health associations that kind of pin everything on salt have kind of lost the the overall picture and that's really the overall dietary pattern and you know salt is fine to consume as long as it's balanced with a, a few particular minerals seem to be very important that you need to be consuming adequate amounts of and that's potassium and magnesium with 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 sodium and so potassium does have a mild type of diuretic effect and so if you're consuming you know between maybe four to six grams of potassium a day um, you know, all the population studies show that con even consuming four to six grams of sodium per day um, is completely fine. Um, you know, the Japanese, they consume a much higher amount of potassium um, than we do in America, about two to three times the amount. And so, you know, we kind of wonder why do the Japanese, how, how can they consume so much salt and, and live the longest, right? Well, they're eating a real diet and they're getting their salt, you know, salting to taste and getting salt from like, um, you know, seaweed and things, things like that. But yeah, um, What's crazy is, is 
uh, a lot of the, the selling point for salt is that salt actually helps maintain our magnesium status. And the reason is if we don't get enough salt, our body's going to pull it from somewhere to maintain normal sodium levels in the blood. And what ends up happening is the body will strip the bones of sodium, but at the same time, it's stripping them of calcium and magnesium. So literally, if you want to go on a low salt diet, there's been numerous balance studies um, that have shown that it actually causes people to go into a negative sodium balance and the bone is being stripped of magnesium as well and you become ne a negative balance of magnesium and calcium. And so if you want to maintain healthy bones and you don't want to strip them of calcium and magnesium, you need to be in a positive uh, salt balance. Yeah, and I've heard that, you know, so sodium and potassium, they are minerals that keep calcium dissolved in the blood. So if you don't have adequate amounts, you can't hold on to calcium. It'll metastasize into your soft, soft tissues where it doesn't belong. Yeah, I mean, magnesium controls the sodium-potassium pump. Um, and so what ends up happening is if you don't have enough magnesium, you start accumulating sodium within the cell, which causes an accumulation of calcium, which causes vascular calcifications and arterial stiffening and uh, vasoconstriction, hypertension, you know, you name it. And everyone's focused on salt and it's like, well, magnesium controls sodium accumulation in the cell, much more important than just salt intake. Um, and so I think magnesium is kind of like the, the missing mineral in a lot of people's diets. And if you can balance that um, and eat adequate amounts of potassium magnesium, uh, eating a normal salt diet does not appear to be detrimental. It actually appears to be very beneficial. What are some of the harms, some other harms you can talk about, about cutting salt out of your diet? Yeah, so salt is composed of sodium and chloride. Most people understand some of the benefits of sodium, right? Like maintaining a blood pressure. We need a blood pressure. Everyone fears blood pressure, but it's like we've, we didn't have a blood pressure. You and I wouldn't be talking right now. Um, and so it maintains blood circulation and sodium allows actually um, us to absorb vitamin C in the intestines. Sodium brings in vitamin C. Sodium also brings in vitamin C into the brain and into our bones. So it's actually very important for brain health and bone health. And we know low sodium levels in the blood is associated with like um, unstable gait and falls and fractures and people with cognitive impairment that are diagnosed pre-dementia actually might just be literally deficient in salt. Um, and then there's the other part of salt, which is chloride, um, which makes up our stomach acid, hydrochloric acid. And if you want to break down the food that you eat into and absorb uh, the minerals, you need to have an adequate uh, amount of chloride. And so, you know, salt literally gives us chloride, which allows us to digest our food, absorb nutrients, prevent bacterial overgrowth. And so, you know, salt is extremely important. Yeah. And so, so what are some of the ways that salt helps to give us energy? So is, is one of the signs of, uh, you know, salt and mineral deficiency fatigue? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So salt gives us energy in so many different ways, um, from making sure the adrenal glands have enough vitamin C, um, giving us iodine, but, and so obviously, you know, in order to have, um, you know, healthy thyroid function, you need iodine and you need good amounts of salt, and that gives us energy having a good, um, you know, our thyroid uh, function. Um, salt gives us energy by maintaining our magnesium status, so we know that literally magne ATP energy is, is not ATP, it's not activated until it's bound to magnesium, and so everybody wants to take caffeine and this and this and that, and it's like, Nope, energy is magnesium ATP, and if, you, if you're not getting enough salt, you're depleting your body of magnesium, and you're not going to have activated ATP. Um, so that's another way how salt gives us um, energy. Uh, and so and also, uh, low-salt diets cause insulin resistance, and giving 
actually higher salt uh, amounts of salted diabetics has been shown to actually reverse their insulin re resistance. And so we know that when you're insulin resistant and you have high levels of insulin, that is locking in your uh, access, your ability to access your stored fat and protein for fuel. So you're you're starving of energy when you are more insulin resistant. So by salt provides insulin sensitivity and that that way it also provides energy. And if you go on a low salt diet, heart rate generally goes up pretty dramatically. And so um, you're slow, you're like a less efficient uh, human when you're consuming low amounts of salt because your heart rate is so elevated and you're literally, you know, you, you could go up. I've seen studies showing that people have a 25% elevation in baseline heart rate. So instead of their heart rate being 80 beats per minute, it could be 100 beats per minute. And so that is just a huge energy suck on the body, having to beat 20 beats per minute every minute because you're not consuming adequate amounts of salt. Yeah, I'm going to read your book. <laughs> so you have a book called The Salt Fix. Can you talk a, a little bit about in there what people can expect? Because that's, I think it's a really important book. And you mentioned when we were talking before the show that you spent three years writing it. And I, I think it's really important for people to educate themselves about this because adequate salt intake is one of the, the most basic foundational things that you need to do for your health. And you need to be educated about it so you know what salts to choose and what salts to avoid. Yeah, so the book basically, it, um, it starts kind of where we got it wrong with salt. It goes into then like a little bit of an evolutionary perspective of, of sources of salt that, you know, a lot of people think, well, we didn't evolve eating you know, nearly the amount of salt that we eat today. And I kind of show that, well, you know, we used to consume the entire animal, which contains blood and interstitial fluid and lymphatic fluid and skin and organs and all these sources of salt. And, and we used to access the, you know, um, the brains of kills and in the African savanna, and we were able to get salt that way as well. Um, and so, you know, I kind of show and make a case that, you know, we didn't necessarily evolve on a low salt diet, and there's there's many ways to get salt, including going to salt licks. I mean, if animals were smart enough to go to a salt lick, I think humans are smart enough too to find sources of salt and consume them when they didn't get enough. Um, and then, you know, the book kind of goes into um, a little bit of uh, the lack of evidence um, of the low salt advice, and it, it shifts over a little bit into how low salt diets cause us to cause uh, cause fat gain and insulin resistance and how eating more salt can improve insulin resistance. And then it goes into a connection between low salt diets causing sugar cravings and sugar addiction. And I kind of talk about how, how do animals know to go to a salt, like when they're depleted in salt. And, and the mechanism is the brain's reward system becomes hyperactivated. And that's smart because that will then cause the animal to like the salt more and crave it more. But unfortunately, this other white crystal that is available nowadays can hijack that system and low salt diets can potentially make sugar more addictive. And that's, so that's a really interesting point I want to elaborate on because I, at one point, um, I know I was very, very mineral deficient. I wasn't paying attention to salt. I wasn't eating a good diet and I was craving sugar all the time and uh, definitely a sugar addict. And I was also craving potato chips all the time. So anyone out there craving Doritos or uh, things flavored with regular salt or MSG, that's just your body crying out to feed it more salt. And so if you're craving potato chips all the time, at least try to get the ones with like the natural salts, the sea salt on them, or just eat, don't eat those and eat heavily salt your food with regular sea salt. And when I started supplementing with minerals on top of sea salt, 
I was amazed and I never looked at another potato chip again. I was giving my body the minerals that it needed and I, I didn't go towards those, those cravings. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great, um, example of a lot of people do crave potato chips for the salt and, 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 you know, it's, they're like, then they're just like poisoning themselves with this toxic amount of refined carbohydrates and sugars. And that can cause people to over retain salt. And so it's like, don't blame salt for what the sugar did. Even a lot of people can just cut the sugar and then they can lose their salt sensitive high blood pressure. And so, you know, the focus has always been on salt and it really needs to be the other white crystal because salt is an essential mineral and sugar is a non-essential macronutrient. We don't need to eat a single gram of exogenous sugar, whereas we obviously need to consume a lot of salt. And probably the most important chapter in the book is where I discuss what things cause us to become salt depleted. And, you know, things like caffeine and low carb diets um, and exercise and all these different disease states um, like celiacs and inflammatory bowel disease where we don't absorb salt well and all these conditions that can cause damage to the kidneys and cause salt loss. And I mean, just consuming four cups of coffee, we can lose over a full teaspoon of salt out, the, out in the urine. Wow. And so, yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of become a little bit of a, like a craze. People are now putting like mineral salt on their coffee. Uh, <laughs> I do a little bit, but not <laughs> I just re replace like, what you're losing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I like to honestly just salt my food rather than put it in, in my coffee. I'll do maybe a little, a pinch of it. Or um, salted butter in your coffee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't do too much butter, but yeah, a lot of people are into that bulletproof coffee. Um, yeah. But um, and then so the some of the final chapters are kind of like going into what are some healthy high salt foods like clams and seafood, crab, um, uh, you know, lobster, olives, cheese, um, you know, healthy foods that you can eat and, and integrate more salt into your diet, and then how to dose yourself with salt before exercise and how much salt we lose per hour of exercise, and we lose about a half a teaspoon of salt per hour of exercise, and that obviously goes up um, as the outside temperature goes up. Well, I don't sweat, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> Except when I'm in my infrared sauna. I don't know why. I, when I exercise, I don't really sweat that much. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, a little TMI there. But so who needs more salt? Yeah. Um, well, lots of people need more salt. Um, and, and one of the, the signs of, of salt deficiency isn't really low sodium levels in the blood. And a lot of people get confused. Like, my sodium levels in the blood are normal, so I must have enough salt. And it's actually more symptomatic. If you are going from a seated to a standing position and you have a really elevation in heart rate, you can feel that, like you have POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's pretty common in women. Um, over 3 million uh, Americans have that syndrome. Or if you go from a seated to a standing position and you're dizzy or you are exercise intolerant, you have muscle spasms, muscle cramps, heart palpitations. You know, that, those are real signs of potentially salt deficiency. And I've had a ton of people email me and say, James, I've had muscle cramps, muscle spasms, or heart palpitations for like years. And literally after three days of upping my salt intake, it's completely gone. And that may have also something to do with um, not pulling magnesium from the bone anymore by consuming more salt and upping your magnesium status. So salt, magnesium, there's, there's this huge interplay between the two. And I think um, symptomatically, you can treat salt deficiency better than just a lab test. Yeah, yeah, and so let's talk about uh, sodium and high blood pressure. Because um, I know a lot of people uh, have hypertension, have high blood pressure, they go to the doctor, the doctor says eat a low salt diet. Um, can you make some distinctions for them to help them feel uh, you know, more comfortable in consuming sea salt and why that's just uh, you know, a ridiculous notion? 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think most of the evidence shows that a low salt diet actually causes hypertension in the long run because a low salt diet causes insulin resistance and it causes an increase in all the stress hormones, noradrenaline and adrenaline, and it increases all the artery stiffening hormones. I mean, literally low salt diets increase the progression and acceleration of atherosclerosis in animal studies. I mean, and so that can cause hypertension by just stiffening the arteries, whereas it's solely based on blood pressure. They think that it's gonna prevent hypertension or a chronic elevation in blood pressure because it may reduce blood volume and that may lead to a reduction in strokes and heart attacks. But you're just dehydrating the person. That is not preventing hypertension. That is just literally dehydrating someone and reducing their blood volume. Yet you're actually worsening peripheral vascular resistance with low salt diets. And so literally low salt diets most likely cause hypertension. And people who can't tolerate salt, where they consume salt and they have swelling in the legs and then massive rises in blood pressure, there is something underlying going on. And that is not, we should not be blaming this essential mineral for causing that. There's that people can kind of look for to treat. So one of the main causes of salt sensitivity and over-retention of salt is insulin resistance. And simply cut the refined carbs and sugar and so many people have told me that they don't get elevations in blood pressure anymore. Their legs don't swell anymore. There's two other main um, underlying causes of over-retaining salt. One of them is high aldosterone levels. And some people can have benign tumors on their adrenal glands and they're over-secreting aldosterone. Um, and we can treat that with either spironolactone and other medications to inhibit aldosterone, or we can just remove the benign tumor that's causing that person to over-secrete aldosterone. And then some people have Cushing syndrome, right, where they have like an increase in cortisol levels, which is causing them to over-retain salt um, and causing the release of salt in areas where it sh uh, shouldn't happen. And then some people have leaky blood vessels from low magnesium, and that's literally causing the salt and volume to go into the interstitial fluid, which is causing the edema in their legs. It's due to leaky blood vessels. It's not due to the salt that they're consuming. And the leaky blood vessels can be due to a low salt diet leading to magnesium deficiency and causing the leaky uh, blood vessels in the first place. Um, it's a lit, it's, you know, you know, it's not intuitive, uh, all this stuff, but you know, it's important to know that people shouldn't be blaming salt for those issues when they consume it and trying to discover what the underlying cause is. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the best salts out there. So you've done a lot of research on different salts and I'm a salt freak. I have like a 10 different kinds of salts. I love salt. So what are some of the best salts that you recommend? Yeah. So, I mean, my number one in the book for five main reasons um, is Redmond Real Salt. And one, it's super cheap for, for being an ancient salt and for having good amounts of other minerals. Um, it's super cheap. Uh, and, and if you compare that to other salts, um, it's just not even not even funny. Like Himalayan salt is probably like five to ten times the real salt. Um, and so that's one reason why I like it. It also has really good amounts of iodine. It also has good amounts of calcium. Um, and it is from that ancient ocean source, so you're, you're, you're avoiding the modern-day sea salts, um, which can potentially have that modern-day pollution. So, you know, that's probably my number one. Um, Himalayan's not bad either. It, it, it also would lack the um, microplastics from sea salts from modern-day oceans, and it has good amounts of iodine as well. Um, but it doesn't have, um, like, the calcium that Redmond does. And um, so, and it also has kind of some, some radioactive elements in it, like, plutonium and polonium and rubidium and um, some, some of these other things that are, that are a little concerning. They're at low amounts, but it's like, if I can get a salt that doesn't have that, why would I not do that? So you're saying that's in the Himalayan salt? 
Yeah, that would, yeah, the Himalayan salt has some radioactive elements in it. Okay. Yeah, do you know anything about Maldon salt? Nope, never no, heard of that okay. one before. I think it's from Spain or something. Um, it's something that I, I'm eating right now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about sea salts and some of the toxins that are in sea salts. Because a lot of people out there are eating sea salt feeling like it's a healthier alternative. I know the plastics and the microplastics are a huge problem in the ocean right now. A lot of fish are eating those and dying because of them. Um, so what is it exactly that you could find in some sea salts? Yeah, so I mean, there's been numerous studies that have come out recently where they've tested like 14 batches of modern day sea salts um, and like 13 out of the 14 will contain microplastics, mainly the plastics that are used to make um, plastic water bottles, which makes sense, right? Um, and so, you know, we just don't know the health effects um, of consuming these these microplastics, but I think like 95% of us test positive for those type of microplastics in our urine. So like we're all, all of us are exposed to it. But if you are consuming you know, salt that contains that versus an ancient ocean salt, you know, that's that's definitely one way that you can cut and reduce your amount of potential microplastics in your body. And, and you know, um, you know, the other potential things that are in modern day uh, sea salts is potentially heavy metals. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's in super high amounts. We're talking trace amounts. Um, so it's just, you know, it's we don't have a study saying you're going to live longer if you consume this salt over that salt. But to me, if you can get a cheap, like ancient ocean salt, why 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 wouldn't you? Yeah. It's just, and then metals are also concerned. I mean, the ocean is full of mercury, and and the sea salt does not escape that. I mean, is mercury concerned in some of the sea salts? I think there are definitely traces of mercury in some of those sea salts. Um, and you know, another underestimated heavy metal is cadmium. Um, cadmium is in our food and it's in our uh, water. Um, and you know, eating organic foods, a lot of people kind of hate on organic, like there's no evidence, blah, blah, blah. But a systematic review, a huge meta-analysis of randomized studies have shown that organic foods contain less heavy metal, uh, the heavy metal cadmium. And you know, the high amounts of cadmium have been associated with stroke and hypertension and cardiovascular disease, and it just builds up in your body, and especially the kidneys. And um, cadmium is also um, in cigarettes. And so, you know, there's there's uh, you know heavy metals and minerals. Minerals kind of balance uh, the heavy metal toxic load in our body. And so, one of the best ways because a lot of people fear mercury, and it's like if you have a good amount of selenium, like a fish that has a, like some mercury, but really high amounts of selenium is probably less toxic than a fish that has low levels of mercury, but really low levels of selenium because selenium balances it out. So it's like these minerals can kind of, these good minerals can kind of fight against some of those heavy metals. Yeah, minerals help to detox your body. They replace metals and enzyme binding sites in the body and they kind of like push them out. And what like cadmium that causes more cancers than all of the other metals combined. And it's in the oceans, just like mercury because of fossil fuel burning. It's gotten into the air and then it settles from the oceans and has accumulated there in the fish and the salts and et cetera. Um, so let's, yeah. Did you want to add something to that? No, no, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. And so, um, so is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to add to our conversation about salt? 
Yeah, I th- a lot of people always ask me, like, how do I dose myself with salt, you know? And so, like, you know, I kind of went went to the lab and started doing different things, too, to try to see, like, because, you know, norm- I'm just, like, I can take it straight up and wash it down with water, but a lot of people find it nauseating, and some people were kind of posting and showing, like, that they were putting salt in capsules because it was making them very nauseated. So people come up with really cool ways to dose themselves and get salt into their body. So, and just like with everything, some people can handle taking salt straight up, and some people need to really get kind of, um, you, you know, funky with how they're how they're dosing themselves with salt. But what works really good for me um, is I'll put like a half a teaspoon of Redmond Real Salt in a cup, and I'll put just enough lemon juice to coat the salt, and then I'll put about two ounces of water, and I'll just kind of mix mix it up a little bit, and then I'll take it and it tastes like a, like a lemon shot, and it's done, and it's super simple, and I don't ever feel any any nausea from it. So. You know, people um, kind of use what's called um, like keto aid, and so it's like salty Gatorade without the without the glucose in it. But you can take um, like a half a teaspoon of salt, and you can put lemon juice and lime juice, and then fill it up with water, and it's like a lemon lime Gatorade, but without the sugar. So that's kind of a a cool way to get salt in before you work out. And what's interesting is like I never realized that even these salty sports drinks like Gatorade and Powerade, they are about a quarter of the salt, the concentration of salt in your sweat. They don't provide nearly enough salt. And so if you're not replacing – it's not even just about replacing what's being lost. Dosing yourself with salt increases blood volume and blood circulation. There is like a real like pharmacologic effect to it. To, to giving it to yourself, but beyond just re- replacing what's going to be lost. Um, and so I, I, I don't ever work out now without dosing myself with salt because I'll start getting the workout headaches within five minutes if I don't do it. And I always, my, um, uh, I always can work out harder, faster, longer when I dose myself with salt. And the, the wait time between my, um, my sets goes down. Um, my recovery seems to be quicker as well. And a lot of people have told me that. And the other cool thing is low carb diets, people, um, the keto flu, it's, it's such a salt waster and so many people can't get on the low carb diets because they're losing so much salt, but they don't realize that that's what, what's causing their keto flu where they're dizzy and they're exercising time and they feel, they just feel really bad. And, um, you know, even if you talk to some of the experts like, um, like Dr. Uh, Finney and, and Bolek, they really recommend for the, at least the first couple of weeks, people need an extra couple of grams of sodium per day. Oh, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, I had a, a when I've tried keto a couple of times, I've really had a problem with, with feeling like the, the lightheadedness and nausea and things like that. So that's a really interesting solution uh, to that problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so everyone go get uh, uh, James' book, The Salt Fix. It's on Amazon. And h- how long has your book been out? Uh, about three months. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm going to go get it myself, and, and I think it's going to be really, really interesting. I, I talk a lot about minerals on the podcast and on my website. It's really, really important to educate yourself about minerals and salt and dose adequately. And people can also take, uh, as a tip to get salt in the body, they can do Epsom salt baths, right? Correct? Yeah, I don't. I think it, that has more of like a local effect, um, you know, like to the to the muscle. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, Epsom salt baths, so many people say their skin, um, you know, psoriasis or eczema goes away. And there are, I mean, 
there are real benefits of like people like will go into like the Dead Sea and like all of a sudden their psoriasis is gone and like literally like giving like high doses of salt. Um, people with uh, like cystic fibrosis or um, like all like some people with um, these lung issues that go into like these salt caves and inhale salt. Like there seems to be some benefit too of like topical and aeros aerosolized um, like saline. So there's some interesting other ways, and I don't talk about that in the book, but. It's just it's just kind of cool how like salt seems to be therapeutic, you know, more than just ingesting it. Yeah, there's a Korean spa that I go to. They have a Himalayan salt room where you walk in and you're you're obviously you know breathing it in and absorbing it in some way. And it's interesting. I go in there. I'm not really sure of the benefit, <laughs> but I go in there. You don't really feel anything, but but you are being affected by the salts positively. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and get your book? Yeah, so um, people they can um, they can get my book on Amazon um, or Barnes and Noble uh, nationwide, and they can find me at Dr. James Denek on Twitter and Facebook um, and Instagram. So fantastic! Well, thank you so much, James, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to the podcast.